notes here. <laughs> All right. There we go. And I'm going to pray first anyway. There we go. Now I'm ready, though. All right. So, Father, thanks. <sighs> thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Lord, we are already so filled up, <laughs> so filled with hope and so filled with uh, just your touch, your joy, your, uh, the goodness of your heart for us. Thanks for, for the, the privilege of worship tonight. And um, thanks, Lord, for the, the, the testimonies of uh, a baby coming back to life, of, um, of just lives being touched in, in Brazil through Domly and the team. And God, now just, we just give you our hearts. We're saying, Lord, would you encourage us? Would you, um, our hearts just want to hang on to your words of hope and courage and, and strength and love in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's see. There we go. I want to start uh, by sharing with you something. Uh, Doug Addison's uh, a good friend and a, pr- a prophet who has been to this house many times, spoken into us many times. And, and a little less than a week ago, he shared, he shared about a word, um, actually an encounter he had that happened last April. And um, I mentioned, if you were a little uh, late when we started worship, I, I shared a little bit at the very beginning tonight. But I mentioned that this week, uh, both Suzanne and I, we've, we've been experiencing such a huge, huge shift in our spirit. Like something, something really good is going on. Some, something, um, you know, I would say dramatic is happening. And um, I don't, I think our spirits pick up on things that, are, that our soul, our brains can't always figure out. And I'm really okay with that. What, what's happening is there's just a lot more awareness of Jesus, a lot more sensitivity. I'm crying a lot, which I love because my heart's all, you know, ooey-gooey, which I want. And uh, we read this word, and it just, it just explained some things and was so encouraging to us. And so Doug says, I want to share with you a very powerful vision I had last April just before Passover. This is an excerpt out of my heavenly journal, which I don't often share. But God told me that it is now time to release this. So this, he says, is the beginning of the encounter. He said, I had a heavenly encounter where I was suddenly taken to a place in the spiritual realm, and I was sitting next to the Lord. I've had this happen on many occasions, and on this day, he was quiet for a long time. I finally asked, what are we waiting for? And he said, we are waiting for the gate to open, for everything must be done in the right time. You will need to learn to wait and know when to move forward in this new season. After a very long wait in silence, I'm wondering how long that was. After a very long wait, the Lord said, it's now time. He stood up, and I realized there was a group sitting with us, and I knew now that he was waiting for many of them to come. The number of people who were called to be here for this experience were now present. There were so many people I could not count them. Many of them had come through a wilderness and dry time. There was a feeling of weariness and a lack of hope. Before I go on, I know that that word speaks to some of you. I know we, I talked about that a month ago, that so many of us were feeling that. And this word started to help us realize sometimes we want to personalize everything. Like, what is my problem? How come I can't seem to, you know, break out of this? When, when in reality, the, part of what this word is saying is there's timing on things, and sometimes the waiting has nothing to do with you. Just 
hang in there, keep going, keep trusting, because there's something so much bigger going on that requires, you know, the world. It requires all of the body of Christ. That just, to me, was already very, um, you know, reassuring, comforting. Now, he says, the next part, he's still in this vision, um, encounter with Jesus, not a vision, an encounter with Jesus. He says, we are now in a meadow, and Jesus motioned for us all to sit. He's still with that crowd. To sit down as he began to speak, Jesus says to them, you are my servants, and I've chosen you from the time of your mother's womb. This is for all of you. You and your generation were born for such a time as this. Do not be afraid, for I have set you aside for this special time. I mean, think about it. You know, you could have been born any time in history. God says, this is the time for you right here. The land is dry and thirsty, and I'm going to pour out my spirit like water on the dry ground. I'm pouring out my spirit on you and on your children. I realized the Lord was speaking from Isaiah 44, and I think it's very significant that uh, tonight um, Joel and Aletta's daughter, that was their, their oldest daughter, Bella, sorry, their oldest daughter, Bella, and, and I don't, she sang one of the songs tonight. And I, there's something, that was the first time she's ever sung up front. And there's something about the next generation coming up, and I think it was super significant that that happened tonight. So, yay, God. That was so awesome. Um, I realized the Lord was speaking from Isaiah 44, and he said, as he said these words, they came to life in us. We all had greater understanding of who we are and what we are called to do. And this is Isaiah 44, verses 3 and 4. For I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour out my spirit on your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. And they will spring up like grass in a meadow, like poplar trees by flowing streams. And before I move on, even if you don't have natural children, you have to understand this is always about next generations. All the, the, the younger ones we're pouring into, there's, there's next generations rising up. Jesus went on and said, I have chosen you and I have set you aside for the greatest moment and revival on earth. I have called you to love and embrace the unlovely. Just as I embraced the sick and those with leprosy who were cast out of the temple in my day. I dined and drank with the sinners, and I was judged by religious leaders for doing this. I was willing to leave the 99 to go after the one. This is my heart for people, and this is what I'm calling you to. I've been looking for a people of love. Do you remember last week with Nabil just saying to us, prophesying to us, even our name, Blazing Fire, and he said, every time you guys have said that name, you haven't been realizing you've been prophesying the eyes of love of Jesus that are now pouring out of you. And he spoke over all of us last week. <sighs> Those who will love the unlovely, Jesus says, and the outcasts, just as I did. This is what my heart is looking for. At this point, the Lord began to weep. Jesus began to weep, and we all joined him. We wept and we wept for our blindness, and we could see that we carried the light of the Lord, and we had power from heaven to change things. Suddenly, there was a gathering happening at a gate in the Spirit. We all went to the gate, but it was not open yet. And this, he said, was the end of his encounter. This was what he had last April. What is that, about eight, eight months ago? Something like that. 
Anyway, someone could do the math better than me a, a while back. Then Psalm 118, he reads, Open for me the gates of the righteous. I will enter and I will give thanks to the Lord. And Doug says, This encounter happened several months ago. And just this week, I had another encounter in which we were standing before a gate in the Spirit. It was closed, but it was now ready to open. I have never felt more anticipation and excitement in the Spirit than right now. There is a lot of activity in the spiritual realm as God is preparing for something big to open soon. I know we can all get uh, prophetic word weary when we hear words and we're waiting and we, here's another word and we're waiting. Um, Doug, Doug has lived his whole life as a prophet this way, like, cause your prophet sees things and they don't always, they don't always know the timing. They just know they need to release it. I know that some of the things that we released long ago, we're living in now we are. And so even a word like this, I, I want to encourage you tonight. There, everything in my spirit knows it's true. There's, there's just something um, on the precipice, on the horizon, something imminent. That's really the word I'm looking for. Like, it's not down, way down the road somewhere, but something that's going to so shift the culture. We've been talking about it along the way. Even the, even the loss that are going to start streaming in, they're just, they're just going to be so hungry. And they are. They're getting hungrier and hungrier. And, and something inside of us, Suzanne and I this week, we, we've been doing a lot more worshiping together and praying together over the last several months. But something inside of us this week, just, wow, something started shifting. And we were listening to Bethel a lot. We, the, their uh, Leaders Advance was this week. And we didn't go, but we live streamed it. And and we, um, you know, anytime you hear you're around Bethel's culture with, with Bill Johnson and Chris Valentin and the others, something just gets all stirred up and you, and you start to remember again. We start to remember what we're alive for. And, and we realized something. We realized, um, you know, that 16 years ago, we pushed our chips in the middle of the table when we were at Bethel, when we sobbing through tears and we said, Lord, we're, we don't even know what this means, but we're all in and we'll do whatever you say. And that's when we started blazing fire. And, um, and I realized, uh, you know, it, I realized that uh, just, it was just yesterday, the day before I said to Suzanne, you realize something. We push, we already pushed our chips in the middle of the table. We can't take them back. <laughs> They're already in there. It's like, I wanted to push them in again. I'm like, nope, we already pushed them in. They're already in there. So and, and we realized that um, the mission statement that we have is actually very good. <laughs> it's really from God about why we exist and why we're alive. So tonight, in order to stir us all up again, I wanted to look at our mission statement. But I want to, I want to take it a little bit deeper and look at some scripture with it. Um, because, again, it's not like we need to reinvent the wheel. Jesus has already told us what to do. <laughs> We are his ambassadors of love, right? And, uh, but honestly, what happens is we all just get weary on the travel, you know? And we come up to bridges that have no planks, and we say, Lord, surely you don't want me to cross here. <laughs> we got all kinds of reasons why we don't want to go. But he says, yeah, that's really what I've asked you to do. Um, so here to remind you is our mission statement, to encounter God's transforming presence, first and foremost. To enjoy kingdom life as his family and to awaken and equip world changers. 
This is, this is the mandate. A mission is a mandate. It's like the big picture of what God has called us to do. And, and, and when, when we do things here, we try to go back to this and say, Lord, are we being faithful with what you've asked us to do? So I want to go to each one of them. And um, the first is encountering God's transforming presence. And um, what we really want for all of us here, for every person, is to have encounters with Papa, Father God, with Jesus, and with Holy Spirit, so that we become an encounter. That's, this is the way it's supposed to be. We encounter him, and we become that encounter everywhere we go. So there is a reason for us getting together. There's something I love worshiping alone. I, just today, I was on the keyboard this afternoon, and I was, well, Suzanne heard me because she was in the next room, and I was singing loud and pounding on the keyboard. Other times, I'll be playing soft and crying. But there's also something very different about being with you all here. It's very different. There's a corporate something that goes on because, because where we where brothers and sisters dwell together, there the Lord bestows a blessing. He's like, I'm so glad you all wanted to be together and, and worship me because that just warms my heart. I got something special for you because you, you chose to come together. There's something special. And I'm going to share a little in a second something tonight that happened. But there's something special that goes on. And, and, and so... Um, so we're supposed to have these encounters, and then we're supposed to just go and be that encounter. And I think sometimes we make it way too hard. Do I have the right words? Am I saying it? You know, do I? Don't I? Just be yourself. And the more that God touches you, you're going to be this natural outpouring. You just will. Now, last week, I, I, um, when Todd was leading worship, I got up, and I started reading from um, uh, Philippians 3. And as I did, I just suddenly... <laughs> the Lord took over and I, I mean, instantly I'm just weeping and I can't, I really can't stop. And I didn't want to stop. Um, and, and so tonight I want, I just, I, this whole week I've been in, in Philippians three and I just can't get out of that chapter. I love it. And, and, um, just reminding you though, remember I, I said this last week, but Paul wrote that from prison. In other words, and, and you really have to understand this, everything he had was taken away. I mean, he experienced this over and over again, but he said, Jesus, for you, it's all worth it. I don't care. But everything is stripped away. He's got nothing. He's thrown in jail for doing something, really, for not doing anything wrong, for doing what Jesus told him to do, preaching the gospel. He's there in prison. And from this place is where he, this is the, this is the joy book. This, is the, this really is the joy book. Like, church, you've got to be joyful. Really, from prison, yeah, this is where he's, he's just saying, man, if you knew how good it is to belong to Jesus, then it really doesn't matter what happens along the way as long as you keep your sights on him. So that's the context of this. And so I'm going to read, because I'm going to read several passages from chapter 3. And this one, this is all from the Passion Translation. This is Philippians 3, verses 9 and 10 that goes along with this part of our mission. My, Paul, in prison, my passion... He doesn't say it's to get out of jail. <laughs> My passion is to be consumed with him. I continually long to know the wonders of Jesus. <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wide-eyed and mystified. 
May we be just like a child, staring at the beauty of our King. May we never lose the wonder of Jesus. May we never lose the wonder. Wide-eyed and mystified, may we be just like a child, staring at the beauty of our King, <laughs> Jesus. See, we can talk about it or we can just do it. <laughs> oh, Jesus, 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 Jesus. See, this is what happened to Paul. He, Paul laid eyes on him and, you know, lest you think lucky Paul, he, think about the first part of his life, you know. He, he was, he had, uh, I don't even know what kind of life he had actually to, 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 to murder and to, to be such an angry person. But then to have Jesus say, Paul, why are you, why are you doing this to me? He says, Saul, of course, because he changed his name. Saul, why do you persecute me? Saul didn't even know who he's persecuting until he laid eyes on Jesus. And the rest of his life was spent, spent on Jesus. And he couldn't, he couldn't get over the beauty of Jesus. He just couldn't because he had laid his eyes on him. While we're in this place just for a minute, I want to I share just a, really a wild thing that happened in the middle of worship. It was kind of, Right in the middle of worship is somewhere in the middle, and I suddenly I'm every cell of my body is like vibrating with the um, the presence of Jesus, and I and I was suddenly so aware that every cell of my body was was full of life, was full of the Jesus life, Jesus life in every cell, and I just want for a moment, I just want you if you aren't already closing your eyes, just close your eyes for a moment. Wow, and Holy Spirit, would you make us aware that every cell in our body is alive, 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 like where we can feel it and sense it and know it, alive with the resurrection power of Jesus, every cell. And let your mind just just right now, your brain, work this out because the Holy Spirit's doing it, but just to realize Brain, make the connection with the spirit right now to realize every cell, to be aware. Every cell vibrating with life. Every cell vibrating with life. This is the life you carry in you. It's the life of Christ. You carry it in you. Christ in you. continually long to know the wonders of Jesus more fully and to experience the overflowing power of his resurrection working in me. (laughs) There it is. There it is. There it is. Wow. This... This um, part of our mission statement, it's why it's, it's, we've, we so value the presence 
We do. And it's, it's why we not only linger in worship, but it's why we, if, something, if God's doing something, I tell my worship leaders, Todd knows this, Joel knew this tonight. Like if, if God just wants to sweep us away, you know, do something. I mean, he does anyway, every time we gather. But I always let my worship leaders know, look, if, if, if Holy Spirit's just going to take this somewhere, we go somewhere in worship, we're, let's just go. We're just going to go. Uh, that's, where, that's where you know it's a value, you know. This is, it's so important. But it's also why we don't rush through it. And I, just, I love our worship leaders, all of them. Dom Lee, all of them. I'm trying to think of, I don't even know who all is there. Um, I don't see favor. There's others. Um, I, everyone who leads worship here, they're, they're worshipers to the core. They just are. And so um, that's why we just get let in. And you understand that they're not... Um, they're not bringing the presence of God because he's already here. They're actually leading us into his presence. They're, they're helping us get past whatever stuff, you know, that made us feel like we're distant. Anyway, it's such anointing. I could go on, but I won't because I'm going to go into part two. I am going to end this in 15 minutes. You watch. Um, enjoying kingdom life as his family. <sighs> See, here's the deal. We invite people. We the, the, the Blazing Fire family, we invite people, others, to belong to our family to learn heaven's culture together. That's what we're doing. What's that look like? Well, how to love, how to honor, how to work things out while staying committed to each other because we're for each other and not against each other. This is heaven's culture. And, and honestly, you know, just looking at that, how many of you grew up in that kind of a home? Raise your hand really high. I'm, I'm just kidding. There's probably a handful of you that had a lot of that. But I'm saying it's just not very common. And yet it is the Father's purpose that we are this kind of family. And, and you know, a lot of times, especially when we put, I, I won't even say an ideal. I mean, it is. It looks like an ideal to us, but it's what God intended. But because we've have a ways to go, we can also get really disappointed in each other when we're not living that way. And we sometimes fail to see that we're also part of part of what's going on, you know, because of our own heart issues that still are getting worked out. But when we commit to being with each other and saying ahead of time, I'm going to, I'm going to let you know ahead of time that, that if we, you know, have an issue, I, I want to work this out with you. And you know what? I have just personally, I have over and over worked out things with people whether even on our own leadership team, uh, other other people, and 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 honestly, the only time this doesn't work is when one of the other persons says, "I'm out of here," because once and you know this is true, whether it's a marriage right that dissolves or whatever. Once one person says, "I'm done, I'm done, I'm done," that's it. You know, there's really no more working it out. Of course, the Lord can come in. You know, still we still see miracles occasionally where people will work it out, and and we always want that. But I'm saying when we decide that in our hearts, um, that we want to learn how to love, that's what, that, that's what we're trying to do. That's what we've set our heart to do. This is what we're going to do. Are we perfect at it? No, not at all. But it is a choice. And so in next Saturday from 3 to 5, um, we have that n- uh, new newcomers gathering here. So if you're new to this and you're saying, I would love to actually learn how to do this and be part of a family that wants to do this, please come. And it's low-key. What we're going to do is low-key. You'll meet a couple pastors. Um, you'll hear some of our stories. We're, we're going to hear some of your stories. 
And uh, anyway, I just invite you on the journey with us um, to be uh, part of family. And here's the scriptures, a couple scriptures. Philippians 3.16 says, And let us all advance together to reach this victory prize, following one path with one passion. I, I really I wanted to read the whole chapter of uh, Philippians 3 because it just gives context to all this. But I also wanted to really zing you with what I thought was something that so fits um, each, each part of the mission statement. And Paul is saying, look, his, of course we're advancing to Jesus, to the prize of being with him forever. But also there's so much more in this life as far as us releasing the love of God in this world. And he's saying, let's do this together. Let's advance together. This is the way God's always made it to be. He's not going to have it any other way, just so you know. Like, and all of us at times, when we get hurt, what happens when we get hurt, when our heart gets stepped on, is that we want to, we all do this. We want to back off or we want to put a wall up. And God says, I get that, but I'm going to help you through that because the only way you guys are going to go is together. That's the only way I'll have it. And, uh, and we hear that even in Jesus' prayer, right? In John 17, it, the world will know when, when they see us love one another the way that the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit love each other, the world's going to know that Jesus is the Lord. And here he is in Philippians 3.20, oh, that's now on your screen, which is, uh, we are a colony of heaven on earth. We are a colony of heaven on earth. What? Oh. No, I'm, that's the right one. Oh, it was on the wrong one? Oh, someone changed it for me. Thank you. Here I'm getting all dramatic, and you guys are wondering where it is, where the slide is. I really meant to say, what? I didn't know the slide was wrong, but what? We are a colony of heaven on earth. Just let that one sink in a minute. How is that possible? Because you're already seated with Christ. Because heaven's already in you, even though you're going to heaven. Heaven, more than a place, it's a person. It's, it's being enveloped in, yeah, the Lord himself. But, but, uh, but he's already chosen to envelop you and live in you. So we, but together we reflect his glory in a much greater way than any one of us individually. So we together are a colony of heaven on earth as we cling tightly to our life giver, the Lord Jesus Christ. Which gets back to our first one, encountering God together as we cling tightly to him. All right, here we go. What's, let's see. Oh. See, I put, I put this together before, and then I forget where I am on here. So, yeah, hey, we already talked about this, but now you can't forget it. Next week, 3 o'clock. That really was supposed to be in the slide. Okay. The last one, the third one, is to awaken and equip world changers. Because we have God's heart, we care about the world he so loves. We care. Right? Yeah, we care. Sometimes you have to convince yourself. I understand. I get it. No, really, because you have his God, you care. We use our royal authority as sons and daughters to usher in heaven's culture of love and honor. Now, I love that that picture because without question there is 
I hope I could say this here. I know I can. There is a kick-butt nature to the kingdom of God that is real, that we have authority. We are backed by the angels. If we only knew who we were and what we carry and the sword of the Lord that's in our hand, which is the word, which is not just, not just the written word. That's true, but it's the rhema word. It's, it's, it's the word of the Lord the, that, that speaks through us. Now, here's, here's why I'm a little wary of a picture like this. Because throughout history, we just went through Europe where just the, you know, the crusades and the awful things we have done, taking this literally, that we're taking, you know, we're going to come in and take over and, and, uh, and lest we want to just, you know, throw guilt something stones, whatever, back on those in the crusades, we sometimes have that same mentality. We're going we're gonna to come and take over corporate America. We're going to take over this or that, whatever it is. When the reality is, is that we're supposed to influence it with heaven's culture. So I'm going to change the picture to this, okay? Oh, except that you're going to see it now. Here we go. Because to me, that this is uh, the first one was absolutely true, too. We need to know our authority. We have to know who we are. And let me read this one more time with that picture. Because we have God's heart, we care about the world he so loves. We use our royal authority as sons and daughters to usher in heaven's culture of love and honor. This is what we do. It's what we do. And... Philippians 3.12 says, I admit, Paul says, I admit it. I haven't yet acquired the absolute fullness that I am pursuing. Yay. Everyone say yay. Because, because that means it's not just you, right? Oh, good. Even the Apostle Paul wasn't quite there yet. It, uh, anyway, uh, but he says, I run with passion into his abundance so that I may reach the purpose that Jesus Christ has called me to fulfill and wants me to discover. So there is, yes, the, the, the first part about our, um, uh, our purpose is always intimacy with Jesus. Absolutely. It has to start there because if we don't have that, if we don't experience that, we really don't have much to give. And we, and we certainly aren't going to give it with the Lord's heart. And so, and so that's so important, but it doesn't stop there, right? We're, we're here to uh, awake and, and equip world changers. Now, um, this is for you personally that, that a lot of what we do here and what we're going to continue to do, whether it's the prophetic teams, whether it's the healing teams, whether it's East Bay Healing Center, all the things that we're doing, the, um, we're doing these things to wake people up to who they are and to empower them, to equip them, to empower them and say, you are full-time missionaries. Did you all know that? Could you say that? I am a full-time missionary. I think she's somewhere else. I'm like, <laughs> maybe she's saying, what, what am I agreeing to? Um, I am a full-time missionary. You are. You are. You absolutely are. Some of you, like Domily, um, like Tim, who's going to share in a minute, some of you might go to another country. Wonderful. Awesome. 
You're a full-time missionary, whether you are at home with your children, whether you're at school, whether you're at work, because you are to influence everywhere you go with the love of heaven, the honor of heaven. People are not used to seeing that. And I forgot to say this earlier, but what we're learning in family, it's not just for here. Like, we're still learning it, but it's supposed, you're supposed to take what you're learning by doing here and take it to your families, your biological families, coming to Thanksgiving and Christmas again. Like, when you change, the more you change, you start to change the equation in your family because we all have different roles and different ways that we keep getting caught, trapped back in that we don't like. But see, once you discover how, how um, filled you are with the love and how, how powerful you are to actually start to help there to be more healthy relationships, it's going to start changing family dynamics. Isn't that right? I just heard a great story. I won't tell it, but I love... I love, Suzanne and I were just crying uh, today, just hearing another testimony of another family that's getting changed, that what is happening here is starting to go and impact families, like, you know, nuclear, genetic, biological families. It's happening, and that's part of the transformation that's going on on the earth. So, um, wow, there's a whole lot more that I want to say, but instead, what I'm going to do is I want to read to you a a word from Johnny Enlow and end with this before I pray for you. Johnny Enlow, another uh, prophetic voice. He was here about a year ago or a year and a half ago or something, blazing fire. And um, uh, I believe when we talk about being these world changers and and, uh, uh, that we're going going to... um, that heaven's culture is going to come through us, that we're going to experience it, and we're going to release it everywhere we go. This word was so encouraging to me about what the place that I think we're in right now in kingdom history. And so Johnny says, last week, this is just a portion of his word, by the way. Last week, while I was with the Lord, I heard the present reformation is greater than 100 revivals. Now, He's going to explain that a little bit. I knew that the Lord was speaking to me that we must make the shift from revival-mindedness to reformation-mindedness. Now, let me just say right here, because I heard Bill talk about this the other day, Bill Johnson from Bethel, but that there's nothing wrong with revival. Revival is absolutely needed, and it's still going to happen. But we're talking about two different things. Revival is God waking up mostly the hearts of the church, because re- revive means to live again. In other words, we were super full of life, but we kind of fell asleep along the way. And God does things and starts to breathe life back into us so that we care about the world again. And that's important. But there's also a reformation going on, which is a whole change of society as heaven starts to, um, heaven's culture starts to permeate and saturate. So God's greatest priority at this time is us shifting out of longing for a visitation, revival, to us partnering in making earth a place of habitation, of reformation. This also requires us shifting from church-mindedness to kingdom-mindedness. As we agree with Matthew 6.33, seek first the kingdom of God. The next phase involves understanding that what we are assigned to carry into the seven mountains, which are media, education, government, economy, family arts, family arts and church, the net, let me back up, that what we are assigned to carry into the seven mountains is not 
rules, or finger pointing, but rather presence, God's presence, heavenly solutions, and almost anything that comes under the banner of love. See, the voices are all starting to come together. The things that we've been, we've been you know, sharing here and, and, and immersing you in for a long time, God is waking up his body to realize, oh, this is all about love. It is all about love. And so, so whether, you know, again, whether you're in the office or where, wherever you work, wherever you're going to school, whatever you're doing, it's no longer about rules and finger pointing. You're not, you are not the moral police. You're gonna, you have to get that out of your head. Oh, good, they're coming back. But, but, so it's not that, but it's rather it's God's presence. That's why I said what, when you um, encounter God, you become an encounter. Heavenly solutions and almost anything that comes under the banner of love. Let me finish this off. Even as we are just celebrating the 500th anniversary of the Protestant Reformation, did you all know that on Tuesday? Martin Luther, yep, all that. Uh, we are being quickly ushered into an entirely new societal reformation that begins with the church reforming its reason for existing. It's not that we're, we're going to exist for a different reason. It's that we forgot the reason we existed. We started existing for ourselves. And, and God says, you forgot my heart for the world. You forgot really what it's all about. So that was him. And here's one more from Bill Johnson, Suzanne and I. Oh, okay. One more. Sorry, this is still um, Johnny. Uh, God has never needed us to be the rules committee for earth, but has always desired us to be the presence carriers and what is new for the pioneering presence carriers? Can you say I'm a pioneering presence carrier? Just want to make sure you knew who we were talking about here. What's new for the pioneering presence carriers is the understanding that the presence is not just for goosebumps, which I love, by the way, but it is for the reformation of society. And um, Suzanne and I, uh, about a month ago, we were talking with Bill. I guess there was more, but oh well. Bill Johnson and... and uh, He said this to us. He said, we found that to the degree, let me back up and say, we were asking Bill, are you seeing things? Are you seeing transformation happening? He said, absolutely. He says, we found that to the degree we live with hope and communicate hope, that we live with hope and communicate hope, to that degree we end up with influence. People are looking for hope. Everywhere you go, that's what people are needing right now. They're needing hope. Not just flattery, hey, you're doing good. Not just a feel-good thing, but real hope, the substance of hope. Whenever we've been able to communicate that, it's really opened up doors. And he told us some crazy stories of what is going on in some, in some of the biggest corporations on the earth right now. Because, because believers are in there, and they're starting to saturate the culture with heaven. And, and it's changing things. I can't tell you the stories because I just can't. Um, all right. I think that's it. So... Um, I want to pray, and it's totally okay. Yeah, the kids are in here, and that's awesome. And then I'm going to have Tim come up. But let me just pray for a moment. Would you just repeat after me? Because I'm I'm basically just going to do our mission statement. I don't know if I'll do it word for word, but here we go. I am alive to encounter God. (laughs) 
And I am alive to be part of kingdom family. I love it. I love it. I love the little voices with us. Yes, Lord. And I am alive to be awakened and equipped as a world changer. And I'm going to add one more. I am alive to awaken and equip others to be world changers. Yeah. So, Lord, we have used our voices to declare the truth. And now we know that all things are done by the Spirit. So we're saying, Holy Spirit, we give you permission. We give you permission. Here's our hearts um, that we choose to obey. We choose to follow what you say. We choose to do what you Lord, you've, you've caused us to be alive at this time in history, and we're so grateful. Thank you, Lord, for breathing life back into our hearts. And we're saying, Lord, take this to some place that is so new, so new, so new. And, Lord, when, as that new happens, Lord, help our hearts not to be offended. Because whenever the new comes, it's not what we were used to. So, Lord, we want to go where you're going. We want to go with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. All right, I did pretty good. Five minutes over. And um, are the other kids still coming in? Can someone find out? Um, yeah, the older ones need to come back. Would some, can someone go? Thanks. Yeah. So there's a dad who's going. Thank you. Just tell him we're ready and, and uh, to have him come on in. Thank you. Um, so what we're going to do again is, um, let me just introduce Tim first and get this out of the way. Cause after that, we're going to have some prayer for healing and, um, yay God. Um, so I've actually known Tim longer than I think only two people in this room, other than Suzanne and Mary Jo, I think are the two I've known longer and Jim, if he was here, but he's not. Uh, because Tim, um, I was, I came to this valley, oh, this is not the first time I've done this either. So everyone, this is my brother, Dirk. So, (laughs) so technically he knew me before I knew him, I think, I think technically. And his wife, Julia, my sister in love, who I've known for a lot longer than Tim. <laughs> Have I made up for it yet? <laughs> okay. All right. Now, anyway, Tim. <laughs> See, whatever you say now, Tim, you, it's, I've just made it so easy for you. Like, all right. <laughs> so, Tim, I, I came here 27 years ago. Uh, as a Presbyterian pastor in Pleasanton, and Tim was part of the church. And so we've known each other for a long, long, long time. And Tim has been, I've just been watching him lately, especially just super grow and explode and the things of the spirit and want it all like a kidney candy store, which is what we're all supposed to be. And so he decided to go on this uh, mission trip to Brazil with Bill Dew um, and, and saw all kinds of miracles. So I said, Tim, come share. So come on up and share a few stories, and then we're going to pray for people.